Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are two fantastic co-hosts, uh, Joe Perez and Liz Harper. We're going to just jump right into some news stories. Uh, Joe, there's a new Hearthstone Mercenaries mode thing, and I'd like you to talk to us about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, no, no. Liz, Liz, <laughs> this is your time to shine. <laughs> I was oh, I, from the moment yeah. that Liz emailed and saying, "Oh, you see, so you guys can get a drink." I was like, I almost was like, I almost made that the joke be that I was going to do it, but then I'm like, no, me trying to foist it off on Joe is even funnier. Yeah, but no, Liz, um, explain to us because, quite frankly, I have not been keeping up. What's going on with 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 the mercenaries in Hearthstone? I, I, I'm interested um, because I really want to know if I want to try and play this. Okay, so um, mercenaries really it strikes me as an RPG. You are collecting these mercenary heroes and you're leveling them up and you're putting them in these tactical battles where it's like each round you decide which skills to use and who you're attacking and it's all a turn-based thing. Um, yeah, so you level them up, you gear them up, all of this stuff. You go on different missions that you choose to do or you can do PvP against other players. And it's just, it's a really, it's a little RPG built inside of Hearthstone. So it's launching in two weeks, and one thing Blizzard has been super unclear about is what does it cost? What do, do I need to spend money? Is it free? How much, what do I get out of spending money? Um, and the thing is, Mercenaries doesn't really use cards, and most of the time when you buy, when you buy packs in Hearthstone, you're getting a pack of cards. And mercenaries, there really aren't cards. You have heroes that you level up with, that you level up by playing, or you give them gear, and just like all of these things. And it was very Blizzard's messaging on this was just not good. They weren't clear about what was going on. Um, and last week we got a little more clarity on what uh, kind of what you would get by paying money. And it, they call them packs, like a card pack, except they're not really cards. So I don't know how that works um but the packs cost are going to cost the same thing hearthstone packs cost which is about a dollar fifty each or if you buy them in larger bundles about a dollar each each pack and it's just like the same each pack it's just like the hearthstone pack each pack contains a number of things one thing that's rare or higher it has the same bad luck protection hearthstone packs have so if you haven't gotten super rare stuff, you, you're going to be more likely to get the rarer stuff. And over, you know, X number of packs, you're more like you're going to get, you know, one legendary or epic or whatever. Um, but like the packs can, can contain heroes, uh, your, your mercenary heroes, or they can contain alternate skins for those heroes. Or they can contain coins, which you can use to buy, um, uh, which you can use to buy things. I believe, and they can contain gear. So it's like, but you're going to have, just by playing through the intro, you're going to have a team that you can play with. You don't need to spend gold. And I think that's kind of the biggest problem is because we don't have the game yet. It's just not really clear how important it is to have these packs. Uh, and even now that we kind of have a better look at what's in these packs, it's still not really clear because we haven't gotten our hands on the game and we don't know how important any of these things are. Um, so yeah, it's going to be released in about two weeks, middle of October, and uh, we're going to find out. Also, if you are a World of Warcraft player with a six-month subscription, 
one of the things they are bundling in with that six month subscription is 15 mercenaries packs when mercenaries comes out. So you'll, you'll get something. If you have that six month subscription, you will get some packs and you can go and play and check it out. Okay. Good. I, I, <laughs> I, I really legitimately don't know what to say to that. Cause I, I, I'm not going to lie. I have barely looked at Hearthstone since uh, the last time we had a guest on to talk about Hearthstone, which I think was when <laughs> I want to say it was red. Was it red that came on to talk about it? Yeah, it was red. Yeah, I yeah. think so. So like it's, it's been a while and I, I don't know, like it just seems like the, this is kind of confusing <laughs> to what they're trying to yeah. do. So like, I, I don't I think- feel very good about it. <laughs> I think the most confusing thing about Hearthstone Mercenaries is that it is part of Hearthstone when it is something completely different from Hearthstone. Yeah. Like I was saying, there there aren't any cards. You have mercenary heroes and gear and stuff, but there are not cards. It is no longer a card game. Exactly. It's just, it's a little RPG that they built inside of Hearthstone. And I think calling it Hearthstone is kind of confusing, really. Yeah, I can see that because I um, I'll be up front. After hearing you explain it, I felt more confused about what it was. Right. Uh, so, but at the same time, I do think it's it sounds interesting and it's an interesting departure. So, uh, I w- I am still interested in it. Like I might might pick it up just because if it is mostly an RP, if if it basically is just a stripped down tactical RPG, then I could yeah, probably play it. You know, yeah. I, I, whereas I'm completely behind, I, I'm completely lost at card games. I've always been terrible at them. I'm the guy that played Magic the Gathering, got wiped out and twice. I'm like, okay, I'm, I know I have to tap some lands. That's basically <laughs> it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. So I, I am interested in finding out what this ends up being like. But uh, speaking of stuff coming out, we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show, but we'll talk about it now, too, because it's the site and that's our job. Uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected came out last week. Uh, I don't know how many people have picked this game up. I have not been paying attention to stuff like that. But I'll tell you one thing. Just in terms of like Blizzard's track record of putting out remastered versions of their games, this is now the gold standard. This is the best yeah. one they've ever done by a huge margin. Yep. Um, the, the best previously was the StarCraft one, the original StarCraft refurb, which was bare bones. I mean, it worked. It looked good, but it was basically just bare bones refurb. This one, I think it's it is pretty obvious that they looked at the way that they fell down on on Warcraft Three Reforged and realized, oh, people really wanted this. They didn't want what we did. They didn't. We didn't tell them what we were doing, and so they got the impression it was going to be this. Well, this time we'd better make it this, and that's what this is. It is. It is exactly the same gameplay. Like there's. There is no difference. Um, I can't think of anything. That's not true. Automatic gold pickup. There's yeah, but that's not gameplay. That's stuff like that. That eases up. But I'm talking about when you go out and you play your character, like when you are using your abilities and hitting things, when you're killing things, it plays the same. You're you're totally right about the stash being in. There's a lot of quality of life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it isn't. It never feels like what am I doing? This says it's Diablo 2, but it's not. I have yet to have that experience. Um, I would agree. Maybe it is for other people. Uh, I know, Liz, you're playing as Amazon. Yep. I feel there is absolutely no mystery to what I'm playing. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> a, a paladin. We all knew this. No, that's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. Everybody knows. Um, Joe, what are you playing? Uh, what do you think I'm playing? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing. So, I'm, I'm trying to remember how to play Fury Druid. 
Yeah. So none of us are the kind of people who like to go into wild alternate character, you know, excursions while playing Diablo 2. We, we have a comfort zone and we like it. Okay. But that actually makes this really challenging as a design thing because you need people to feel when you pick up Diablo 2 Resurrected, you need to feel like you are playing the same character, the same classes. It needs to feel like the same game. And I think that they they absolutely wrecked that. They did amazing on that. They just and at the same time though, it is so much prettier. And the fact that it is running so on much. the original it's running on the original Diablo 2. Yeah. And yet it looks so much nicer. Like I what was it? I think it was you or Corey, uh, Liz, who pointed out to me. It's like, oh yeah, and there's a there's a decapitated guy over here this, in this place. I'm like, I didn't know that was a decapitated guy. It's like I couldn't tell what that lump was. Now, yeah, he totally there he is, nice and dead. There's his head. It's over there. Yeah, I can see that now. Maybe I didn't want to. <laughs> but so yeah, it's it is. So, so I'm gonna let you guys go on a bit about it before we move on to something else. Which one he wants to go first? Well, Liz, go. I think one of the most interesting things is actually that there you can press a button and go back to the original Diablo 2 graphics. Mm -hmm. And then you just press the button and go back and you can just like go back and forth repeatedly thinking like, wow, did we ever play something that was just like my character is like 20 pixels maybe. And (laughs) it's, it's just wild to be able to do that switch back and forth and just see like, whoa, because they are very much the same and very much different at the same time. And yeah. I think they've done a really good job of capturing the original experience, but making it better and making it prettier and making it just smoother, but not changing a lot of things, just kind of smoothing out a few things. Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about it kind of as a joke sometimes when we're talking about World of Warcraft Classic, the whole some changes thing. But I think that really worked out here. Like they made some changes, very few, but some. Like the whole graphical overhaul, of course, and the new cinematics, which are just astonishing. But the fact that they put in the the, the stash, the fact that they put in um, Xbox, you know, they they put in controller support because they're they're putting it on consoles. But the controller supports there for the PC version as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the original Diablo two had any kind of controller support. I don't think it. No, did. it didn't. It did not. Yeah, but I've been playing it on is, with my controller. Which is funny because Diablo 1 did. Yeah, it did. I know because I, I played that on a controller. I've been playing Diablo 2 on a controller on my PC. Yeah, and, and I've been hearing from a lot of people that that's very, very good. Like, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. impressed with you. It's better than playing with a mouse. I will say I've, this. I've, go ahead, listen, sorry. I've purely been playing on console. I've been playing on PlayStation. I yeah, don't even. I didn't even pick it up for PC. And you're using a controller, and it plays really great, right? right. I think that's it why, honestly, does. Diablo 3 on consoles was such a revelation for a very similar yeah. reason. This game feels like it was designed with con- with controllers in mind. But I think it's just the kind of the yeah, way that it it's... Great. It's just the way it's set up, right? Like, it's it lends itself really well to action RPGs of any speed, mm-hmm. really, because limited buttons, limited actives, enough triggers to sort of get to where you need to go or to do your hotkeys, and you're done, and you're off and running. And, like, Diablo 1 was a very methodical, like, very slow plotting uh, adventure, right? There wasn't even a run button back then. Like, you walked through the dungeon. And even with its controller, yeah, that made sense because you were kind of going in isometric cardinal directions. And that was kind of it. That was all you did. But with Diablo 2, it was faster than Diablo 1, still slower than Diablo 3, 
Um, but it lended itself well to sort of that multi-axis movement because a, it, a blue hedgehog on Ritalin in a in a rock tumbler is is slower than Diablo three. Yes, come on. Fair. I I cannot argue with that. Um, but it, it's it is fascinating to see like how well the the joysticks work with it really. Um, and that's what I'm hearing from all of the people I know. It's that the joystick is what makes all the difference for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's because Diablo Diablo two on a con- on a computer pleases a lot of clicking. It's oh, yeah, very killed much mice. Kind of, absolutely yeah, killed it, mice. Using the controller, it's much less stressful. On it's stress less stressful on your hands. It's less stressful on the controller. The controller just seems to flow around. It is there's a few things that are a little weird, like the way leap works and so forth. But overall, yeah. And in terms of like the encounter design, this is something I wanted to talk about for a while because whilst I am I am on paper as as thinking Diablo three is the superior game. And I still think that I did miss the encounter design of Diablo two and Diablo two gets <laughs> you to it fairly quickly. Yeah. Like yeah. you get blood Raven right up front. She is not very far away. You, you get blood Raven very close. And then Andariel's not that much further away. And the, the, the one, two punch of blood Raven and Dariel are, it's like, there's, I remember reading a webcomic years ago, and I don't remember who it was. I think it was Penny Arcade talking about how when you played Mass Effect, they just take you to the pool and throw you in. They're like, here, swim, swim forever. Diablo 2 is actually surprisingly good at educating you about what you are expected to do in a Diablo game by just gradually ramping up the difficulty as you're playing it. And Blood Raven is the first time that it actually goes, okay, what have you learned? Show us what you've learned. Here's Blood Raven. Haha, <laughs> joke's on you, game. I learned how to die. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And that's, it just really, it, it kind of sets the expectation, and it really does, it delivers. I almost want to say Blood Raven is one of the most, it's it's stripped down, obviously, because it's, it's an early fight, but it's almost perfect as a Diablo fight. It is exactly, you're going to need all these reflexes to get through this. And it works really well on the controller, by the way. The controllers are great for for boss fights. Um, I honestly will tell you, if you have the ability to play Diablo 2 Resurrected on a, on a controller, you should seriously consider it. It is really good. Uh, anything else, either one of you want to talk about before we move on to something else? No. I, I love this game. That's about it. It's It's everything that I remember. And it's one of those things where I'm very happy to be playing it again quite a bit. Yeah, it, it is one of the best examples of a game retaining its its heart while doing one of these things that I've ever seen. Um, it is just and it is it is visually stunning. I mean, the, the actual gameplay itself, they, they didn't try to to like make it, you know, it, it still looks like Diablo 2. It, it's just better. Um, but the cinematics, oh my God, they just, I, I don't know that I could talk enough about them getting to see Tyrael being Tyrael in a cinematic and the, the fight with Diablo in the tomb. It's just, wow. Okay. Or previously Marius, you kind of always felt like Marius was, was just kind of a bit of a whiner mm-hmm. when he went on about how he couldn't go in the portal. And then you see this new cinematic when, when Diablo is like Diabloing out you're like, yeah, no wonder he couldn't go in the portal. I'm surprised he wasn't sitting there in a puddle of his own urine because I don't want to go anywhere near it. And I'm watching a video game. I'm not, you know, what, Tyrael, what were you thinking? Yeah, go, go, go through this portal into madness, Marius. Yeah, this was, this was possibly the worst decision anybody has ever made. And it's just so well realized. I think all the cinematics, because they were smart and they preserved the voice lines. 
but yeah, so I think we've all said that I've, I've gushed enough. We will now talk about transmog as is proper, uh, because I, I, this has a kind of a lucky accident, but Liz had put in a post saying, Hey, someone write about transmog restrictions on holiday items. And I was, I was writing that post. And then I realized that this year is the 10th anniversary of transmog in world of Warcraft. It was introduced on November 29th, uh, 2011 during cataclysm. And that got me thinking about the fact that over the past 10 years, we have seen a lot of change to transmog. We've seen, you know, the wardrobe system get introduced. We've seen item restrictions get lifted. We've seen that the stream I'm on is making my character shake randomly for no reason at odd moments. That's got nothing to do with it. But one of the things we still have are like these holiday restrictions. And the reason that I think they should be lifted is ultimately they are incredibly inconsistent. For example, I can I can transmog to the headless horseman helmet anytime I want. Mm-hmm. I just I have the hat. I can wear it anytime I want. I can transmog any of my helmets to it. But if I want to wear a flower crown, I have to do some quests to make them to unlock them. And that's okay. That's a little weird, but not too bad. But if I want to wear the mantle of flame from the the fire festival, I can't unless it's fire festival time. Are you, put, are you physically put them on and remove the armor you were wearing? Yeah, exactly. And that's the inconsistency of this is one of the reasons that I really think it has to change because it's consistency is sometimes called the hobgoblin little minds. But when it comes to role playing game systems, it's very necessary. You need to know what the rules are. Yeah, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I just no. that's. I, I do want you guys to talk about it because I think we already know what I think. And I, I think you're both going to agree with me, which gives me a massive dopamine hit. And I'm super happy about it. So go. My my two copper, uh, as far as this goes, I honestly think that the days of solid reasoning on why it was uh, turned aside are no more. There's no reason to have it in. Uh, straight up. Just they used to argue that, you know, you they were restricted with transmog so that in the heat of battle and PvP, and I remember this being uh, an, ex, uh, an answer that was given at a BlizzCon, um, that it was necessary to have the transmog be restricted so that in the heat of battle, you could see exactly what you were facing, and it was the only way to be fair to PvP. I'm That stopped being relevant or, or even viable as an excuse years ago. And I mean, I don't remember how many years ago now. It's just because it's there's just too many, too many pieces of gear. And honestly, the only thing people care about is... What is that class and what is that spec I'm about to be fighting? That's it. And if you really wanted to really impose any sort of restrictions, congratulations. Make it so you can't transmog in PvP arenas or battleground. But it's at this point, the restrictions are kind of boring. Let me put my character in whatever weird, wacky stuff I want at this point. If I want to run around on my, you know little fox shaman and have like the headless horseman's helmet on just freaking let me do it like i i, I think i i mean that might be a little bit too extreme of like a different armor type or whatever sure but honestly the restrictions are just just goofy at this point they're they serve no purpose like the fact that my shaman can't transmog into any of my hunter's male gear it's still male gear let me wear it please all right go ahead liz your turn <laughs> I think the original point of like the holiday stuff being holiday only is to make the holidays feel like special and exciting. And because I have, they haven't been updated in a decade. Yeah, I have two arguments against this. One, 
it has been so long since there were any significant updates to holidays. I mean, they've they usually come in once every year or two and maybe do a little tweak here or tweak there, but these have been the same for so long. It's not exciting. It's not exciting to have a holiday where it's like, okay, the most exciting thing about this holiday is you can transmog these fiery shoulders. That's just, that's not fun. It's not fun. This does not add fun to the holiday and it takes fun away from the rest of the year. Um, and I just don't, I don't think that's necessary. And then as Matt said, the rules are so inconsistent that it's mm -hmm. like you need a rule book to understand what you can do here. Like, um, I can transmog the ruby sunglasses now. You didn't used to be able to transmog those for whatever reason, but now you can transmog them. But uh, there are the bronze tinted sunglasses that are associated with the anniversary event that you can only transmog during the anniversary event. So why why is any of this? Yeah, if you're gonna have so I think all the, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. I think all of the logic that was originally behind it doesn't work as well as it used to. And customization is just so important. And I think maybe Blizzard kind of has always sort of underestimated how important it is to players to look really cool. <laughs> like if I go into a fight and have to equip a new piece of armor and it doesn't match my transmog, it's like, nope, we got to stop. I got to pull out the yak. I got to change we've, this because I can't look, I can't look this bad. We've, we've done that box. in the middle of a raid before. We absolutely have taken yeah. a transmog break. Yeah. I will put up yeah. right now. This is a reason I've said this. The best raid was always Throne of Thunder because Throne of Thunder had a huge patch in the middle <laughs> where I could get on my yak and everybody could transmog the gear they'd gotten up to that point. Just before we'd go in for uh, the Twin Imperials, who are now called that, weren't called that at the time, but now they are. Um, we would always stop and they, everyone's like, does anyone have the transmog mountain? I've, obviously, I've done everyone be like, yeah, Rossi does. I'd be like, how do you guys know I have it? Oh, right, because I always get on it all the time. And I would pop it up and they would transmog. And that was, to me, that's, it is very important. It is important enough that I will run out of the, you know, the, I will run out of this raid right now. I will hearth if I have to, to get on my mount and transmog. And you all can summon me back, but I am not wearing this. <laughs> this thing is atrocious. It does not match my gear. And I think I said it in the post, one of the things about transmog is that at this point, it, as much as they've added in a lot of new customization options, and those options are great, and I really support them, those options are often hidden by your gear. And transmog is the yeah. only way, like mm -hmm. right now, for instance, I'm currently standing around on beefy McShirtless Draenei, because why wouldn't you look at this dude? This dude is super ripped. I would wander around shirtless all the time if I was that ripped. Heck, I wander around shirtless all the time as it is, and I'm not that ripped. Um, that's, but in order to see my character, like if I had a cool tattoo, like a light forge with the cool tattoos, in order to see that you have to, to transmog their chest plate off. Same with, uh, same with Nightborn. Yeah. With the Nightborn and their tattoos. Um, there's a lot of customization options that were put in like the facial scarring and all that. You need transmog to make that visible. If you want transmog is, is the keystone and the corner piece of customization in world of Warcraft, because what you're wearing is going to say as much about your character and what they look like as just them themselves. Like this gear that I've got on and you know, the first person, the first thing that someone said about it in our chat was where are those shoulders from, mm -hmm. you know, and people want to know where the shoulders are from. Uh, Sometimes the shoulders are from a gigantic flaming yak person and he's terrible <laughs> and we hate him. 
We hate him a lot because he won't give us the shoulders. I'm uh, sensing a lot of pent up aggression. There's nothing pent up about this aggression. <laughs> There's no passive aggression. This is straight up aggression. But I just, I really feel like this is something that World of Warcraft has backed into. Like they've not, it's almost like no one realized just how useful this is how it can be it, how you can use it to customize your character P- the players understand it the play that's what the players are doing with it it feels sometimes like the devs don't get if you're really into this you're really into this if you're not into it at all it doesn't matter to you at I, all i'm not going to say that the devs don't get it because i mean they play and and, and no they play i think they get it that they they know more about the game than i do they understand the game more my, than i ever will i think but I, I, think, I think it boils down to a, a level of effort though yeah and i think that and i we're saying all this, right? And 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 we we often say this. We're not the ones making the game or making the code changes. And I often talk about how spaghetti some of the code definitely still is in this game. Uh, maybe some removing some of those restrictions will break Yog Saron again. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but it is something that I really do hope that they look into. And we've already seen that they're starting to add more features into it, like the, well, yeah. the asymmetrical stuff. And I would love to see that expand into maybe taking a look at some of these restrictions that they've had before and see what else they can lift. Well, it's like I I pointed out when I wrote the post that all the changes they've made, I've loved all of them, and it's made me greedy for more. And that's the truth. (laughs) I've already been given an incredible amount since compare Transmog when it came out to where it is now. Oh, yeah. The wardrobe system. the wardrobe system by itself is a huge upgrade. I don't have to have all these pieces in my void storage anymore. If I want to use them in transmog, do you remember that? That's why void storage really exists. Yep. Because you couldn't like, you, you couldn't have any bank space if you wanted to use transmog. So they have done an amazing job over the years, but I do feel like there's a continuous slight underestimation of how important this is to people. And I, and I think it would drive player engagement too. Like we always, this is one of those things where like, it's a buzzword. And for a lot of people, it means absolutely nothing, but everything that, game companies try to do especially if you're an mmo is they want people to play their game they want people in their game longer right the longer you're in the game the more likely you are to spend money etc 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 we can go down that rabble but ultimately if they really want something that will make a lot of players spend more time in the game transmog is one of those things like it is straight up people will spend hours farming gear they will spend hours putting together the perfect outfit Cosmetic stuff in this game drives, in my opinion, way more player engagement than I think anybody really wants to admit. And I would love to see something that that maybe acknowledges that with Transmog by doing some of this stuff, like lifting some of these restrictions and making it more viable for us to just kind of, you know, like you, we talked about in the pre-show, character creation is a big, important thing. And World of Warcraft has some of the best character creation out there, and it keeps getting better as they add more customization. But once you're in the game, a lot of that cool customization is just gone. Like the tattoos, the the little scars, and all the little things that like your character can't show because you just can't wear that one piece of gear that shows it off the right. Right. So I I don't know. Like we've been talking about it for a while. I don't. There's, we could probably have the entire show be nothing but transmog. <laughs> And it is Rossi sort of driving the bus. So I do want to add, I do want to add one note about transmog, which is that I think part of the problem and why this has been like a long process to like get new options with transmog 
maybe it isn't so much that the devs don't understand how much we care about transmog necessarily, but that wasn't the game they were planning to make when they started making World of Warcraft. You know, this is a really cool RPG, and you're going to fight dragons and fight each other, and you're going to do all these cool things. And maybe they didn't expect people to, like, really get so attached to their characters and want to play dress-up. Like, I can spend hours just playing dress-up with my character. Look, I decided so, that this is going to be Barbie Horse Adventures, and I stand by my decision. <laughs> hey, it's Secrets of the Magic Crystal. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh but I think, you know, certainly a lot of de dev efforts are like into making what they see as the core of the game. But there are these other things that have turned out to be really important to players that are maybe not core gameplay. And that's it's kind of been a struggle or a slow process to say we want more of this. Well, I also think Joe's right in that there's there's also that the, the, not only is there the technical limitations, but there's also the fact that the game has finite resources. You can't. Yeah. You can't make every cool thing you want. It, um, it, it's, a, it's the I, runway I, thing. You only get so many things you can work on in a, in a short period of time. And I've always said, one of my favorite systems in the game is Pet Battles, which I don't play and have never played and have no interest in and can completely ignore. And that's why I love that system, because it is perfect in that it is designed exactly <laughs> for the people that want to do it. And it costs people who don't want to do it absolutely nothing, except sometimes I'm forced to run a dungeon with my wife because a pet drops there. That's it. And that's my wife. That's not Blizzard. And that's the thing about Transmog. If you don't care about Transmog, nothing in Transmog affects you. It has nothing to do with you if you don't want it. This is something you can leave on the ground and never pick up. And, and the best part is... If you if you don't care about transmog at all, you just simply play the game and get drops from time to time. If you decide later you like transmog, all that stuff you got will be in your wardrobe now, and you can you can pick up with some stuff in there. My hunter has a decent amount of transmog gear, not because I like playing hunters all that much, just because as I leveled my hunter up, stuff dropped, I got it, so now it's in there, and that's. I really think that this is something about Transmog that I love, that that idea that it adds to people who want it, who want to embrace it, but it does not require it. You don't ever have to do it. I've seen a lot of people who could care less about it, and that's great. They don't have to care about it. My only, like, my two big problems are the restrictions and the cost. I feel like Transmog is a gold sink, but it's only a gold sink for people who care about Transmog, and that's a problem for me. But. It's also gold sink, something we talked about in the pre-show about character creators not having great lighting all the time and you not getting the way, getting looks the way you think you're getting. Uh, transmog is the same way. If you transmog it's specific, like the lighting on your character when you're doing transmog is the lighting in the area or a slightly modified version of that lighting. So sometimes you transmog and then you get out into like a brightly lit area and you're like, oh, no. No, 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 no. And you have to you run right back and spend another 500 gold fixing your mistakes. I would absolutely pretend that that's not true in my case, except that everybody who knows me would think, mm. oh, Rossi, what about that time that you I, had to you stop the raid three times because you didn't like the way your weapon looked in this lighting? And I'd be like, you're right. But we should probably move on to the less least happy news thing of, of the day. Um, I actually wasn't even sure I wanted to talk about it, but I kind of do now, so... <sighs> All right. Uh, here's the basics. The Activision Blizzard lawsuit 
I, I don't even know. It's beyond that at this point. It's multiple lawsuits. It's it's all over the place. The workplace harassment uh, issues have continued. Um, the management still has not addressed the employee concerns in any way, shape, or form. I think we're up to 64 days. Uh, something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. We're in the two-month um, range. Well, you, you did a post on the 20th, I think, saying it had been like 54 days or yeah. something. And it's been eight days since. So I think 62 62. All right. But um, I think yesterday or the day before um, Activision Blizzard reached a $18 million settlement with the U S government's uh, equal employment opportunity commission. And as I think I saw several people um, say on Twitter and in other places, $18 million for Activision Blizzard is like, I think nine hours of profit generation. It is literally just nine hours of that company's existence has, and that that's what you that's what the fine is. That's what the the, the settlement they have negotiated is. It's not a fine. It's an eighteen million dollar fund it's, for the yeah. Employees. It's, a settlement. it's, not, a, it's, it's not a fine. No, it's not a fine. It is a settlement. That's why I said settlement. They they're in order to settle the case, they are creating this fund, and the fund is underwhelming. Like I said, eighteen million dollars for AB is it's it's like if you. Had, if someone was punishing you for something you'd done, if you if you were like agreeing, okay, yeah, I did wrong, and I'm going to fix it, and the equivalent is the equivalent of like nine hours of community service. It, it's it's yeah. worse the more you read about it too, because like it's not it's not just like 18 million for like recent complaints or anything like that. Uh, this is a fund which ultimately goes to pennies uh, for I think 16 all employees from 2016 on that have experienced anything are eligible for the fund. So like, this is nothing. It's, 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 I'm insulted on behalf of the people that have to go through this stuff because 18 million sounds like it sounds like a really big number, but if you break it down, this is just the tiniest, tiniest portion of what Activision Blizzard makes. And when you spread that out over every employee who might've dealt with uh, sexual harassment and discrimination and everything else, that's not going to be a lot. I think I read, I think I read a number uh, earlier that said, if you are an individual making $50,000 a year, that the settlement Activision Blizzard is setting up would be the equivalent of you getting a hundred dollar. Yep. And, and not only that, this is like, a minuscule amount of money for them. And this is it, like when you go, you get your Christmas bonus and it's like a ten dollars Starbucks card. <laughs> to to give you to give you guys an idea too, like and this is a number that was thrown around, but it is it is relevant. Bobby Kodak, who is named in s- these lawsuits, Mike is on course to take home one hundred and fifty four million dollar bonus. Bonus one hundred fifty four million employees are getting eighteen million. It we harp on it, but this is not fair. This isn't even close to fair, and we we know we knew that it wasn't going to be fair going into it, but it's it's just appalling. And and the the other thing too is I'm I'm seeing notifications from people who are getting the forms to get their settlement out of that fund. You have to sign away your right to grievance. So if you accept the mm-hmm. money from the fund, well, you accept that that's good enough apology for you, and you can't pursue anything else for anything that happened to you previously. And I don't know if that includes anything going forward, but at least all the previous stuff, you wipe your hands of it because you got a hundred, like the equivalent of a hundred dollar bonus check. Like that is is important. I think it is important to note that this does not settle their lawsuit with the state of California. It doesn't settle the SEC either. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't deal with the SEC stuff and it doesn't deal with their uh, 
the lawsuit from the stockholders, they still have a lot of legal problems to work through that may hopefully result in some kind of redress for employees that is less underwhelming. And hopefully doesn't have them trying to sign away their right to le- pursue legal means. Yeah, let's be upfront. That is, this is a standard thing that companies do. Mm-hmm. Is they put out what sounds like a reasonably uh, like a large settlement until you actually break it all down, and they use it to basically immunize themselves against further meaningful steps. This is this is almost like in terms of what this is attempting to do, they are attempting to inoculate themselves against future damage. They're taking a hit now. It's an extremely small hit. It is like I, like I said before. There's a reason I made this point. This is the equivalent of nine hours of operation for for Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. This is like a work day for the company. They're putting aside one work day to try and cover up, not cover up more because cover up would Appease. they've already done the cover up. The cover up has already happened and and failed. This is their attempt to to cover their own butts mm-hmm. by doing this and. I I understand that that's how capitalism works. I understand that that's how boards of directors operate, but it is insufficient. And that's why we're bringing it up again. And we know we've been bringing this up every show. We get it. We're we tired of talking love, about it, but we're going to keep yeah, doing it. It's it is if this settlement were 180 million dollars, it would be insufficient because it wouldn't address the issue. It's an attempt to buy your way out of it. Now, it doesn't fix the, you know, that people, you know, women and, and people of, of various oppressed and minority communities aren't getting treated fairly as employees. That's the real issue. You want a safe workplace where you can just go in and work and not have to worry about, oh, is, is someone going to hit on me? And then if I say no, they will spend the next six years ruining my career. Um, uh, yeah. Is someone going to come into the bathroom, come into the changing room while I'm trying to feed and breastfeed my baby and stay there? You know, these are issues that it, it, sometimes it isn't enough to, it would be, it's, it's not the money. It's not the expense. You know, it's not necessarily going to cost them anymore. It will just, it's just something that they don't want to do. They don't want to admit any culpability. They don't want to set themselves up to have to spend money to make these programs fair and, and, and keep them that way. And you have to keep bringing it up, even though it feels ridiculous. It feels ridiculous that I'm sitting here talking about an $18 million settlement between one of the largest game companies in the world and the largest government in, in world history. Um, but here we are. $18 million on this scale, when, when your company has got like an $8 billion valuation, is, is, it's nothing. So, yeah. Uh, anything from either of you before we move on to something like less horrible? I yeah. mean, one day I look forward to waking up and not being that meme from Star Trek where Picard just goes damage report. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to move on to doing some emails and some questions. Uh, if you have a question for the show, uh, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch. Um, or you can hit our Discord. We've got the Patron Q&A podcast questions channel, which, you know, if you're a patron, you can ask a question there and we look at them first because that's the deal we made with you guys. We, that's the way we like to thank you for supporting the site and all we do here. But if you're not a patron because, you know, we let's face it, we're living in that dog in the fiery room meme at every moment of our lives saying, yeah, this is fine. So if you can't afford it, we understand. You can use the Q questions channel and ask questions there and we do look there too. Um, and I'm going to point out, it's a really good time to ask questions because we're getting towards the end of the year and stuff's slowing down. So hopefully 
you guys feel like asking some questions. The first question I want Joe to read, and I want you to read the part up front, Joe. <laughs> uh, I refuse. Very well. Then I will read it for you in your voice. I can't. I can't do your. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, okay, so for Blizzard Watch, Joe, keep your hands off. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. Hey, all. Is there anything new in Brewfest this year? I finished it five years ago and have no reason to go back. Thank you, Suggle Kitten. I don't think there is. No, nope. there isn't. I think they just up every year. They just upgrade the trinkets to being like okay ones. That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, this is we yeah, were talking I- about this with the transmog thing. This is an example of content that, you know, the trade-off is if you if you update it too often, you're wasting resources. If you don't update it enough, no one wants to do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. They updated it a few years ago when uh, Dark Iron Dwarves became an allied race. They think they changed some some of the stuff there because now you're, you're allies with these people that you were previously fighting, and that was kind of the point of the holiday. Um, but it wasn't like an overhaul or anything. So... It, it's getting kind of stale. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think we're going back to like six or seven years ago. It's Miss of Pandaria time when I got the the Kodo on my Alliance characters, the Brewfest Kodo. And I was super excited. And that was the last time I ever did it because there's nothing for me now. And yeah, that's that's how these things work from time to time. Maybe I should just be grateful that I don't have to go back. But at the same time, I do feel it does feel weird to me that it's like people are like, hey, can you come tank this brew fest? And it's like, it's not me doing it because I want to. It's me being a friend. It's me being helping them out because they want to just run it and get it over with and not wait in the queue for half an hour. I mean, it also feels a little weird because I remember like looking forward to the the holidays because, you know, getting them out or doing the fun things. Nothing makes me feel quite as old in this game as realizing how much the holidays haven't changed because they used to be cool. And I remember when they added them and, you know, they were brand new and shiny and they're just kind of not anymore. I've done them all. I've done everything for all of them. I have given up on the mounts for most of them. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, there's really no reason to go back. I mean, and I understand it's a lot of work. Um, there's, it's a lot of work to keep updating holidays or putting new holidays in or, or things like that. But even then it's, it's just a little sad to me that, that it's not as shiny it once was. My advice to you is if you finished it five years ago, I can't think of any reason to go back to Burfest. Uh Liz? I can't think of any reason to go back either. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about how, like, making little changes to the world uh, as the game progresses, even if it's like, okay, this NPC is walking down a different street now, or they have some little chats over here. Even doing something like that could make the world feel more lively and like it's progressing. And even like some little changes every year to kind of freshen this up and dust it off and make it look like part of the game world today rather than part of the game world five or ten years ago, that that would make it feel more lively. And um, it's it's a shame that we can't, that we don't have that. But I, I do get that there are probably better things to spend developer resources on, but also these feel like a whole lot of nothing at this point. Yeah, I agree. So I guess we move on to the next one. Uh, Liz, since I made Joe read that first one for obvious reasons, Joe. Um, I didn't, I have no idea what you're talking about. He stole a question for lore watch. That was supposed to be for this show. After how many times you've stolen questions from lore watch for this one. Anyway, Liz. It's only important when you do it. <laughs> Liz, if you don't mind. Uh, 
So should I, I read the lead into this one as well? Because this sure. one is also kind of rude. Yeah, go for uh, it. Magn yeah, magnificent ones and Rossi, I guess. Rude, <laughs> very rude. I can't because I love you and I have a Diablo question for you. So the whole Soul Stone deal in Diablo 2, we get the two from Mephisto and Diablo after we beat them and they go back in the Soul Stones and then we smash them up good on the anvil inside the fortress. But Val was still running around inside Talrash's body. So even if Marius had brought the Soul Stone, what good would it have done to break the thing? He wasn't even in it. I don't get why this is Marius's fault. That's from Paul Dragon. And um, uh, I do not know. I don't know. Uh, I've thought about this a lot. And to a certain degree, the entire mystery of Diablo 3 is based around this. So it's, it's interesting to think about. If we had smashed the Soul Stone... Ball wouldn't have had anywhere to go mm -hmm. if we killed his the but the Talrasha body. He would have been he was stuck in it. If you'd broken the soul stone, he would have been stuck in it. Because we didn't break the soul stone, because he got the soul stone back from Marius, he eventually he essentially had a get out of death free card when he went up to raid the uh, the barbarians. And as a result of that, for all we know, some barbarian hero might have killed him. And then he just would have gotten the next guy, much like Diablo did. Remember that Diablo got killed, uh, Alberic's body died, it reverted back to Alberic, and then the Soul Stone reached out and convinced Aiden that it would be a good idea to jam that thing in his forehead. Aiden didn't go around in life just jamming things in his forehead whenever he felt like it. That wasn't just, you know, he, he was being influenced by Diablo just by holding the Soul Stone. He, he, that was the deal. So... As long as Ball had it, he basically had the possibility of he could just grab one of his minions because he had a bunch of human minions working for him or to the guy that killed him even and use their body. And now he's got a better body. I mean, it was good enough to kill him while he was in Talraja's. Now it's it's his. So smashing that soul stone would have still been a, a setback for him because then he would have been stuck in Talraja's body with nowhere to go if it was killed. But Marius didn't know that. And for that matter, Marius's problem wasn't that he didn't understand the plan. It was that he was just some poor ex-opium addict who'd been dragged around by one of the three prime evils because it thought, I guess he thought it was funny. I My problem is, why does Diablo bring Marius with him? Because he must be witnessed. No, I'm serious. I, 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 no, I, I don't know, though. I, part of me thinks it's because Diablo himself couldn't actually take the Soul Stone. I, I think he couldn't, hmm. but I also think there's a certain amount of... of the prime evils have a sort of performative nature about them where yeah, okay. are they really the prime evil of that aspect if they are not observed by humans or Nephilims in this case. So like, I, I think there's an element of that too. Um, not to take away from anything that Rossi just said, because he's absolutely right. And, and I like think his theory is very sound, um, but I'm going to self promote because that's what we can do here. Um, I'm currently working on a uh, list of all of our Diablo lore watch episodes, uh, which would be a fantastic way for you to learn specifically about soul stones. Cause we have an episode about that actually episode 179, where Rossi talks at length about the entire story of the soul stones themselves. Uh, and if you wanted to maybe have a little bit more of con uh, contextual information, uh, episode 202 and episode 203, uh, we actually break down the story of Diablo in two different parts of Diablo 2 in particular, uh, where specifically how the Soul Stones kind of link into everything is included in that. Um, and, you know, we can definitely answer your question at length here, um, 
But I mean, honestly, go listen to those episodes. They were great. Rossi did a fantastic job of recapping everything. Uh, absolutely fantastic. But yeah, um, I don't think it's Marius's fault exactly. I do think that he, sh- I think somebody else should have taken that Soulstone in and gotten it look good and smashed up because I think it would have been much harder for Baal to take over um, and get to get to Mount Ariat if he had had to worry about getting killed, uh, which he didn't because he had his Soulstone and there was nothing anybody could do to him. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, is that it? Or are we going to answer the, the other question here? Which other question? The, other- the one that Liz didn't read because I think she was trying to make us skip it. Oh. <laughs> I think that's I, more. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't I don't either, but someone asked Joe, so I'm not sure why they asked Joe this. <laughs> uh, I think it's more of a pre-show topic, but Paul Paul asked, uh, who are the skanking pickles? Uh, or is it skanking? And what are these pickles doing? Uh, so Skankin' Pickles is a uh, ska band that existed from, I want to say, 1988 to 1997-ish, uh, who routinely toured with a band called Muster Plug on what was often called the Condiment Tour. Uh, Skankin' is a type of dance that was traditionally done to reggae and ska. Uh, if you ever want to learn how to do it, go to YouTube and uh, look up how to skank. Uh, and there is no G at the end of it. If you say it the proper way, it is Skankin'. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I, it's hilarious. Cause I, it was literally asked the other day what skanking was. <laughs> like, why are people asking you this? Because are you I, like, so, I mean, I've talked about this before and just briefly because it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Cause in the nineties, I fronted a ska band and I was really super into ska, like crazy into ska. So like, yeah, people, I, I tweet about it a lot. So I'm sure that's why he asked. So thank okay. you, Paul. <laughs> I did not know this. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you're I, up, I, so we've I, I all we've all <laughs> we've all learned an important lesson today. <laughs> yeah. We sorry. now know what those pickles are doing. Okay. <laughs> you're up, Joe. Read one of the next questions. Sure. I think it's the last one. Yeah, I think this is the the uh, last one that we have really time for, and this is from Calchis. Uh, um, how do y'all feel about the Diablo two lore that was posted today? Was it stuff already known, or were there exciting new tidbits? implications i think this was from last week which is why he said today yeah i think so too but um to answer your question it's literally lifted from the original diablo 2 like book yeah like the one you got when you bought the game it's 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 the opposite of new stuff it's exactly the old stuff um the reason it doesn't use the name of the of the character aiden is because it didn't use the name of the character back then correct we didn't know his name until much later they did straight up never said what his name was um so that's there was nothing new about it. There's no exciting new implications. Uh, if anything, it basically just serves as a primer for people who've never heard of this game before. I don't know who those people are. Like, I, I don't know how you could not know what Diablo 2 is, in, but yet play video games. I feel like there's a, oh. there's a five-year-old out there whose only exposure <laughs> is like, you know, uh, I, I can't even think of a really good gotcha game that five-year-olds play in fact i don't think there are any there's a kid who's played got a tamagotchi who who literally just got it and there, he doesn't there, know there are people he, who don't know what tamagotchi is we are that old come yeah <laughs> I, well, they're back though I, mm. they're back <laughs> they, they, they came back they're cool now it's like pogs they're back pogs will never be back <laughs> but regardless I, there, there are people out there who have no idea what video games are who know what diablo is but at the same time, you know, you don't want to assume that anybody coming to a game is like 
gonna has read all the books and you know can sit there and do a 25 minute discussion about soul stones on a podcast um some people are like yeah yeah give me the give me the give me the presses i just want to know what i'm supposed to be doing here killing demons okay good yeah i'm good let's go so i think that's why they just gave you uh, uh the the original lore that's all it is i do think it's fair to say that a lot of people have never played the the original version of diablo 2 i mean we mm-hmm. are into it mm-hmm a new generation of gamers right now. And I have heard from plenty of people who are playing it now who never touched it. I think it's deeply unfair of you to remind me that there are people alive and play video games right now who weren't even alive when this game came out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, it makes, it makes me feel old also, but it is true. There are a lot of people out here who never played Diablo. And um, one thing I know we've talked about on a, on shows in the past is video games don't, come with manuals anymore nope you know this was printed in the original diablo manual and so you would be like installing the game from cds or floppy disks and while you were waiting you would read the book yeah you would be reading the manual and so you would read this cool diablo lore while the game was installing off physical media onto your pc and uh that is not an experience we have anymore so you kind of have to publish this stuff online yeah. And yeah, sometimes games things. actually put it like in the like in the download thing, <laughs> like when you're downloading the game or whatever, it's actually sometimes there. And what's really interesting about that is games download so much faster now, mm-hmm. even if you're you were completely downloading this game from online, like it's so much faster than it used to be to install that they have to, to run it through it really fast. Like technology moves on. And yeah, a lot of stuff that we used to do completely doesn't exist anymore. So yeah, that's, that's, she, she, uh, yes, I'm agreeing with you. I also think it's kind of important for the old school Diablo players because it confirms that none of the lore of Diablo 2 has changed. There's nothing getting retconned or shifted around in any way because we know at some point in the future we're getting Diablo Immortal, which is going to cover the story between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3. But now we, now we know for sure that the story of Diablo 2 that we thought we knew is in fact the story of Diablo 2. There's nothing, there's nothing different here. All right. Anything else yep. to add to that topic? No, I think that covers it. All right. Then I'm going to go ahead and do our outro then. Uh, so Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, the better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And as a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard in demanding change for a better working environment and, well, a safer working environment as well. Okay. Uh, thank you, Joe. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's something that we really need to see some movement on. It's It's been almost two months. I think, yeah, it's been over two months at this point. But yeah, thank you guys for being here with us. Uh, thanks you for letting, you know, letting us talk about these various games that we all love. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be back next week. And those pickles be skanking.